Hey, everybody, it's Michael. I'm on with Heather Doring today. How are you, Heather? I'm doing well, thanks. We're going to talk about, oh, a bunch of stuff. Marketing, sales, the art of the question. Uh, we're going to talk about how psychology comes into play. Heather's an expert on this. Before we get started, I want to remind you that if you like these types of interviews, you should subscribe to the YouTube channel, Michael Angelo Caruso YouTube channel. Ring that silver bell and subscribe. You'll be notified of new videos. Also, if you do presentations of any kind, you should join the Present Like a Pro Facebook group. Heather, you are with us here in Michigan, and you've been in business for eight years. Your company's called Ace Strategies. How did you come to own a company like this? It, it's, a, it's a long journey. If we had a glass of wine, we could go into all the details, but just a quick synopsis. I uh, got my bachelor's degree in psychology from Michigan State, go green. Go green. So what we do today didn't exist back then. And like many people who are in the, the digital world now, it's, it's been an evolutionary process. I went through um, a life change about nine years ago and, and decided at that time I, I wanted to start a business and I had this amazing, great idea. And after a year and a half and $20,000, I realized I had no idea how to market or monetize. I'm like, well, it's a problem. So I learned and um, that, that learning process has, is what brought me to where we are today. So if, I, if people were to ask you in one sentence, what does your agency do best? It's a marketing function, but how do you say it? Yeah, we, we work with clients and our goal is to be them on LinkedIn a little bit better than they could be themselves. Okay. So you specialize in LinkedIn, but a lot of the uh, tricks work in other platforms, as we know. Absolutely. And, and one of the things I think we're going to dive a little bit more deeply into is, is the, the social platforms that are right for each business are really dependent upon who your target audience is. And it's, it's essential that you, you can deep dive and, and really niche market to those audiences because they hang out in different places and they need different messaging. Yeah. I mean, you raise an interesting point. I know a lot of people that spend a ton of time on social and they think they're banging it but there's nothing behind the facade, you know? Um, I've said for a long time, busy is not the same as, act, uh, sorry, busy is not the same as productive. Yes. You can be logging a lot of time on LinkedIn, but if you don't have a backstage uh, crew or a backstage mechanism supporting all of these posts that you're putting out, nothing's really gonna happen for you, is it? That, that's true, and I, and I think with any social platform, uh, it's, there's, you know, with everything in life, there's that 80-20 rule, right? 80% of, of whatever is whatever. So in social, one of the things that, that I think a lot of businesses especially don't really understand is it's important to follow that 80-20 rule, even on your Facebook business page, because if, if everything you're posting is all about you, all about you, you know, I'm awesome, I'm great, my business has a sale today, it's like the, the, the Snoopy voice in the background, nobody cares. It's, it's, the, the whole trick to the psychology of consumer marketing and is, and I don't have my cell phone, but if I did, I'd be pointing to that because of our, our insistence on having everything in the moment, we have short attention spans. So when we're looking at, at things that are out on social, we want them to be about us and relevant to us. And if they're not, we move on to the next. Yeah. I've been saying for a long time, it's better to be interested and then be interesting versus the other way around. Yeah. Uh, 
when I first started my blog, I got some really great advice. You remind me of this just now, that, that you're supposed to, at the end of every blog, ask a question. You know, how do you feel about this? Or what is the way that you cope with this problem? Because what that does is prompts the comments, right? The engagement that you're really looking for. This idea of one-way messaging, of pushing out messages and not getting anything back is not healthy. It burns people out. You'll get sour on LinkedIn in a hurry. And I know you're big on the art of question, asking certain questions and useful questions at that. How, how do you think about questions? Yeah, I think questions are within a, a social context with social media. I think they can be really helpful. Um, I also think sometimes people will throw a question at the end of a post with the very obvious intent of trying to drive engagement. So <laughs> I think questions need to be thoughtful. And I, I think too, you know, outside of social, um, thinking about your sales process and, and just your approach, whether it's whether it's your marketing style or your prospecting or a, a sales call, whatever it is, it's really important to have a, a solid set of questions that that are helping you better understand who's across from you, better understand their needs, their challenges, because when you can present yourself as the solution as opposed to somebody who's either throwing information or, or that, that slimy salesperson none of us want to be, I, I think there's a, you make a different level of connection. And, and my personal theory about, um, about how digital has impacted us from a psychological standpoint, I think that, that there's this, this subconscious in the back of our mind that when we're, when we're looking at somebody on social, whether it's a video or an image or something that they posted, we start to, to make judgments and we start to decide if it's somebody with whom we feel connected. I, I told somebody the other day, I said, you know, you could take a mass murderer and have an amazing profile and a great picture and fabulous posts, whether Facebook or LinkedIn, doesn't matter what platform it is. And people would feel like this is a really cool, great person. I know them. I like them. And then two weeks later, it comes out in the news that they're a serial killer. And, and immediately we jumped at, well, I knew something was funny about that. But it's, it's all about the, the perception of, of how, I, maybe not the perception, how you're perceived by others. Yeah, yeah. And it's got to be real. It can't be, like yeah. you say, this, uh, this facade. Although a lot of people get away with the facade. We want Eventually, I think it comes back to bite them a little bit, right? Because when, if, if you're presented in one way, but when you start to have a conversation with somebody and you're like, oh, this is not the same person, you know, there's that inauthenticity that I think. Um, yeah. And that's why we want people listening to pay attention because we're going to teach them how to elevate their game, level up so that they, they're not just a facade. They are looked upon as a resource, uh, a thought leader. Um, somebody that they that, that is desirable to do business with, maybe the industry expert that they should they should uh, call. I'm speaking with Heather Doring, everybody. Her website is kickacestrategies.com. A little play on words there, eh, Heather? <laughs> Kick Ace Strategies. I like it. Um, you mentioned a set of questions, almost as if it's preordained. Do you have favorite questions that you recommend to clients that that they that they have in their holster to always be at the ready? Yeah, I think, I think some of that is uh, personalized and, and customized to the business. Uh, I have for myself developed over the years a set of questions that I use if I'm doing just an introductory get to know you call with somebody. You know, you connect with somebody at a networking event or somebody on LinkedIn and you want to just 
learn a little bit more about them, have them learn a little bit more about you. I have certain questions that I always ask that help me better be able to explain who they are, make those right connections. And then if it's a, a prospecting call, I've developed a different set of questions. And I think the, the idea behind the questions is number one, um, the, the goal is to, to gather information so that you can be a better resource. And so questions should be open-ended. Um, they should allow conversation to flow. Um, it, as you mentioned before we started, Michael, the question shouldn't be five minutes and that the answer is two seconds, right? It's all about the conversation being able to start. And so I have starter questions and I think we all should do that for those different aspects of life. But then a big piece of this is really listening to, to, to the responses. And then those responses are gonna help you ask more thoughtful questions. And, and by doing that, not only do you get to know the person, but if you're in a sales situation, and this is my Sandler sales training coming in, um, shout out to, to Sandler, you, you begin to um, help lead that person through a process where they realize this is my real issue and this person across from me can help me solve it. Yeah, I like it. Um, let's play a little ping pong. I'll share uh, one of my pet questions. You can share one of yours. We'll give people an idea, maybe inspire them about how they can put m more nutrition into their, their sales calls and uh, helping people understand or helping our people understand who their best prospects are. Uh, I've got a favorite I've been using for a while now, and I ask it in many different ways. But the question essentially is, do you have a problem? Now, that's not an open question. That's a closed question. But here's why I want to know if you have a problem, because I'm a keynote speaker and I sell mm -hmm. books and I sell uh, uh, speaker coaching. But I talk to a lot of speakers that have huge egos and I can't get them to tell me they have a problem. Oh, I'm doing great. Made all the money I could make last year. My audiences are as big as I want them to be. And we talk for five or ten minutes. Sometimes they've called me for the coaching session. <laughs> and then I finally say, okay, so what can I help you with? And they go, I don't know. I say, well, it sounds like you don't have any problems. Well, I don't really. And I say, well, okay, thanks for calling. And you can almost hear their chin drop. No problem to me means no sale. If, if you don't have a problem, I can't help you. So I like that question. Yeah, you know, that, that's a good question. And it's a powerful question. And um you know, I, I think part of it, too, is figuring out what, what works best for you. Yeah. Right? When you're onboarding a client, do you have a, a question like that that you make sure you ask to make sure that you're a good fit? Before we even hit the onboarding, we go through a, a two-part interview. They are interviewing us and we're interviewing them. And if it doesn't feel like a good fit one way or the other, then we don't ever get to that onboarding because there's, there's nothing worse than being a client with somebody who you just feel like, oh, this was the biggest mistake of my life, or vice versa, as a, as a company, having that client that either you really can't help or it just isn't a good fit. Uh, 100%. <laughs> and to fire clients, and that's no fun. 100%. These are the types of questions that allow us to pre-qual, so that, sure. um, I, I think about it this way, if it's an hour meeting, I ask you these kinds of questions in the first five minutes, so I need to know, so I can learn if I need to stay another 55 minutes. Because if your answer is no to too many of those questions, I, I'm saying, you know, we don't have much in common. Like you say, we're not a fit. Right, right. And you know, one of the things that, that I've implemented over the last year, and I, this is a hard and fast rule, it's my rule, but I don't ever take a, 
in-person or an appointment type meeting with someone that I haven't had a pre-qualification call with because I used to be that person that ran to every, every time someone wanted to meet for coffee or let's meet for lunch, I was all over the place. And boy, I ate a lot of food and drank a lot of coffee, but <laughs> it didn't really help help um it was it was oftentimes about wanting access to uh, i won't go into all that but for me it, it, that screening process and having those questions has been really really important in not only helping me focus in on those right clients and, and who i can most help but also in growing my business you know we live in a it's an excellent point we live in a very uh sensitive society you know everybody's hypersensitive about stuff screening sounds mean like who am i to screen people before i give them an hour and a half of my time and i've never had a problem with, with screening people uh, i i don't want to waste my time and i don't want to waste your time i mean think about that that innocuous invitation we get to go to lunch and even all of us get it yeah. hey uh you've heard this a million times I, i'll take you to lunch uh, I just want to pick your brain, right? And I'm thinking to myself, what do I get out of this? Oh yeah, the lunch. But I have to drive 45 minutes across town. I have to sit at least an hour and a half to be, to be decent. And then I have to ride 45 minutes back. If I do this every day, I'm wasting three, three and a half hours a day. Right. And yet those key questions that you just so wisely indicated to us would save all that time. You Now you're only meeting with people who are viable conversationalists, viable partners, viable prospects. Yeah, and a lot of those conversations for me are, I, I was put on this earth to, to connect people to people. Yeah. And um, I, I have a huge, vast network of fantastic individuals across the globe. And so part of that interview process to me, even if it's not a, a business prospect, it's who is it that I know in my world that might be a good connection for for this individual or that individual, or you might be a really good connection for somebody I know. And it's, it's, it's again, those listening skills and really understanding how best to, to I, I, I firmly believe that it's really difficult to be in business by yourself anymore. It, it takes that whole community of interconnectedness to, to grow and excel. Yeah. yeah. Let's talk about open questions. You had referred to those a bit ago. <laughs> open questions are the ones that, um, that allow the conversation to flow, I think was the language that you used. So if you're listening, everybody, two types of questions, binary and non-binary. And Heather's gonna talk now about non-binary, the ones that allow the other person to talk and pontificate and explain their situation so that you can understand exactly what's happening with your target market. Heather, how do you do this? Yeah, so we, we have we learned all those question words when we were in first grade so a who question who does blah 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 that's a that's a question that someone can respond to but a what question or i'm sorry a, a um <laughs> a yes and no question so do you do you want to continue the conversation somebody can say yes or they can say no yeah. if they say yes then you've got to you've got to come up with whatever you're going to say next if they say no it's over but if yeah. you ask question you know how how would continuing the conversation benefit you yeah they're going to be talking they're going to be giving a response and an answer and you know one of the things that that i know i'm guilty of um and i i guess i'm not the only one is i love to talk i love to talk i love to explain things and so i can find myself when i'm when i'm talking with somebody else talking 80 percent of the time when in reality 
um, I should be the questioner talking about 20% of the time. Yeah. By the way, the 80-20 rule was named after an Italian. Really? Alfredo Pareto. Or Vilfredo <laughs> Pareto. The point is, he was a paisan. <laughs> <laughs> So, what a great name, too. <laughs> I know. So this open question thing is cool. Um, and sometimes for me, and I, I've been a commission salesperson my whole life, so I just love this conversation. Um, it's sometimes not a question. So I know a lot of people are watching and they're going, geez, I got to get my questions all sorted out. It's sometimes it's not a question. Three words, everybody. Tell me more. Yes. That's not a question at all. It's an ellipsis. Tell me more, dot, dot, dot. You zip it, like Heather's saying, stop talking, and let the other person talk about their problem, you know? The more vivid their problem is to them, the more immediate the solution, uh, you know, it, it, the solution becomes more important, right? Right, right. And it presents itself because it's everything, not every, things aren't cookie cutter anymore. Business, they all have a lot of the same issues and challenges, but the solutions need to be presented in a way that makes sense to them. Yeah, I want to tap into your psychology degree um, because you had mentioned something very interesting, and and uh, we don't talk about this enough that how fewer people are working at major corporations. Uh, a lot of us are working alone now. Uh, I heard a good word for that: solopreneurs. Yes, you know, just working alone, and you've got partners and friendships and zoom calls and stuff like this but the 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 real question i want to know is why do we have such a reluctance to ask questions what is why is it so hard for people to just admit they don't know something or even pretend they don't know something why does everybody want to talk so much you know that's a that's a great question i think a lot of it is um we want to to prove that we're 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 those, that subject matter expert, that we're smart, that we know what we're talking about, that, um, you know, there's the, there's the fear of rejection. I mean, there are so many pieces wrapped up into that, but I think at the end of the day, we, it makes us feel good about ourselves when we can, when we can be the, come out on top. I, I was talking with a friend of mine the other day, your son's a freshman in college, and he's always been the smartest kid in the room, and he's not this year, and that's been a really big struggle for him. Yeah. And I think it's hard for us to admit that maybe we do, we do need to, some help or we, we may not know everything um, because we like to know it all, right? Yeah. yeah. You know, this is especially true for people that have been around for a while. They just stop asking questions because they've heard it all. Uh, Malcolm Gladwell made the statistic famous. He didn't discover it, but the 10,000 hours thing, that if you work full time, 40 hours a week, 50 hours, 50 weeks a year, that's 2,000 hours. So if you've been doing it for five years, you've got your 10,000 hours in. Congratulations, you're an expert. And if you're an expert, you must know a lot. And if you know a lot, then you guess you don't need to ask questions anymore. But it's all a game, everybody. I think you want to ask questions you might even think you know the answer to. Yeah, and, and you know, I think with the question piece, not only do you get great information from others, but it also... It, it helps take the focus off of you and, and put it on to them because if it goes back to what we were just talking about a minute ago. You know, we want to feel, we want to feel special. We want to be validated. We want to, we want to think that people are really listening. And I, I think the more, um, 
disconnected we become from a digital standpoint, the more we crave that in our in our day to day lives. I love it. Who is your favorite interviewer? I hadn't planned to ask you this, but it's on my mind now because interviewers make a living from asking questions. Some of them have a different pace than others. I used to laugh about Jay Leno because he's he's he was the interviewer on The Tonight Show, right? He interviewed thousands of guests through the years. Terrible interviewer. If you ever listened to him talk, he would interrupt himself. He would stumble over the words. You know, the, the actual, like, uh, the auditory, the audible track of him interviewing was so sloppy. I hope he, I hope he wasn't your favorite interviewer. No, I, I love Jay Leno. Who, who in Detroit wouldn't love Jay Leno because he's got such a passion for our city. But I, you know, I'm going to have to go, um, I'm going to have to go Oprah because she really just set the stage for that, that personal dialogue yeah. and relationship building that I think is so essential for every, every aspect of our lives. Yeah. Great, great interviewer and asks great questions. Thoughtful. And of course, now she's got a big production crew to kind of sort it all out for her, but and yeah. good for her. But I think it's important. Sorry. It's important that we model people who know what they're doing. And there's a lot of people that don't know what they're doing. And, and, and unfortunately, we, we tend to model them because there are so many of them. So I wanted to get a couple names in front of people that they could, they could model. You were going to say something? Yeah, I think one of the things about about her and, and what I what I like in a good interviewer, I love Ellen DeGeneres as well because she really they're they're genuine and authentic with people and they bring that out in others um, yes. because it's easy to ask a list of questions, right? So that kind of goes back to what we were talking about earlier. It's not it's not reading your list of questions. It's it's conversing. It's 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 connecting. It's building that that bonding and the rapport with the person across the table. Yeah. And don't you just hate it when the questions, this set list of questions is so preordained that it feels like the interviewer just asked that question so they could get to the next one? Yeah. Yeah. No matter what you, what kind of brilliant answer you just gave, we're <laughs> on to the next question. It sounds like a machine almost, like a bot is, you know, engaging you. Not good, right? Right. And that's a really good point for, for having those, that list of questions. You, you don't want to shoot through them as if you're, you're reading off that list. You want it to be a natural process, but, and, and you may not ask every question every time, but at least you've got a, a comfortable place to start yeah. that conversation. So let's bring this full circle again and, and even talk about relationships. It doesn't have to be business. The role of questions in marketing, onboarding clients, uh, maintaining the important relationships in your life. Nobody likes to be managed. Nobody likes to be processed. So this idea of questions allows that give and take, uh, I'm interested in your opinion, um, letting the other person have space to communicate, that silence that, that we talked about earlier. This even happens on the internet. It even happens on the web, right? Yeah. How do questions work in internet marketing? You know, I, I think I'm, I'm going to give you a really silly example of, <laughs> I think it's the questions that make people feel like they're, they're genuinely a part of something. I did an experiment back in the spring. I had new headshots. I was on a, I was featured on the cover of a magazine. So they, they hired a photographer. She did these amazing headshots and everybody liked the same one. 90% of people, it was it's the one that's on my, my LinkedIn profile. 
And on a Friday at four o'clock, I did a LinkedIn experiment. And I, that's the worst time ever to post on LinkedIn because everybody's gone for the day. I put together a, a little collage of five of the pictures. I numbered them one through five. And I said, just had my new headshots come in, which one's your favorite? That post over a 10 day period reached over 5,000 people. I had over 400 people vote on a picture and most of them don't even know me, right? <laughs> there was a lesson to me and it doesn't matter. It wasn't an amazing insight or a great thought or anything else. It was about people feeling like they were engaged and had a voice in something. Yeah. So I think those are the types of questions that, that start to generate some traction. And if I may, the, the type of question, low barrier to entry, um, anybody yeah. can have an opinion about this. It wasn't like you had to have a background of information to decide which photo you liked. And who cares? I mean, it, it had nothing to, there was no, there was no, no, no different outcome came from people participating in that except they felt like they had a voice. Yeah, yeah, I love it. Yeah. And I think, I think we see a lot of that on internet uh, marketing because of the layout of pages and stuff, you know, it's all about which, where's the person going to go to get, to get, to get the click. Uh, there's even software for this, I think, where the eye, the, the, it maps the eyes and where the eyes go on the page. Wow. Yeah, it's pretty fancy. Um, and so this idea, this, this, in, this idea of in, being inquisitive and being able to solicit questions is really, really key in all of your relationships, business and personal. Heather, you're fabulous. Thank you so much for your expertise today. Uh, I want to promote you and send people to your website again, kickacestrategies.com. Uh, you do a fabulous LinkedIn profile valued at $200 for anybody mm -hmm. that wants to talk to you. Is that how it works? Mm -hmm. A profile review. So we do an audit and then just help talk them through the, the changes that they can make to tweak and, and just um, improve the, the look and feel a little bit. I love it. And if they don't want to do that, you'll sub out a strategy call of some sort. Absolutely. Yeah. And, and a lot of times too, it's just understanding how do you find that ideal audience? Who are they? And then, and what does that strategy look like? Excellent. Yeah. You're also involved with a, um, a, a local a group here in town. And when I say in town, we're talking about Southeastern Michigan, everybody tell everybody about this event that you have every April. Yeah. So I, in my, in my, not regular business. I have a women's entrepreneurs group that I run here locally in the Metro Detroit area. But part of that is every April, the Federal Reserve Bank puts on an initiative nationwide called Money Smart Week. And in Michigan, we have usually between 500, 600 events throughout the state. And one of our headliner events is the Fempreneur Summit. And that happens every April, and it's an opportunity for women entrepreneurs to come together to, to learn, to educate, and to impact their businesses. I love it. I'm sure you do a great turn for them, and, uh, and uh, you have so much to offer. So it's kickastrategies.com, everybody. Heather Doring, thanks for being with me today. Thank you. And don't forget, everybody, if you like these kinds of interviews, subscribe to this channel now so that you're notified of all the new ones coming up. You're welcome to look back through the playlist and check out the older interviews. And if you do speaking of any kind, I'll see you on the Present Like a Pro Facebook group. See you, Heather. Thanks, Michael. Bye-bye.